Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast and to the latest in our short series of what the financial advice professional will look like when it emerges from the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown. Today we're talking to Andrew Croft, the Chief Executive of St. James's Place, the largest single financial advice firm in the country, to find out how he thinks his company and the wider profession will be affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Hello, Andrew. Hello there. So how has SJP changed its practices in light of the coronavirus and lockdown? I thought I might start by just talking about how um, how we coped with COVID-19. So um, it probably starts pre-lockdown, if, if, if I'm honest. So um, we, we started preparing the organisation uh, pre-lockdown. Uh, we do have operations in Asia, in Hong Kong, Singapore and Shanghai. Uh, so if there was any complacency at all uh, about the virus coming to Europe, that certainly uh, get, gave you a, a good indication. Uh, so we'd already started trying, trialling out working from home. Uh, we'd divided various teams into pods to make sure they couldn't cross-contaminate each other. So that, that, that's what we were doing pre-lockdown. Uh, we then obviously went into uh, in, into lockdown and working from home, uh, and we were able to get uh, almost the entire population working from home very very quickly. We had a, a, a core team of about twenty that were going into our SAR ancestral office to to manage the physical post, with all the posts from around the country being re- redirected there. Uh, we started off really wanting to give three messages out, three three steers out, uh, and we've been quite consistent on that. One is the uh, is well being, is wanting people to uh, ensure they looked after their well being. Uh, ultimately, you can't look after your families, and in the case of the advisors, their clients, if their own well being is suffering. Uh, secondly, we're at pains to um, to ensure that everyone. Uh, realised that social distancing wasn't the same as emotional distancing, uh, and it was very important to to continue to uh, communicate with one another uh, and stay in touch. And then the third message was around doing the right thing uh, and making sure that everything we tried to do was was, was the uh, was the right thing. Um, that that then sort of took us into um, in, into sort of tactical stuff that we we had to do, and some of this will be here for the long term. Um, one of the key things that, that we always do at times like this is, uh, is let's call it communication overload. So communicating to employees, communicating to partners, and then partner-led uh, communication to, to clients. And we provided lots of communication uh, that, that they, they could use. And I think the in- interesting one here, Damien, is, is that what you normally do with communication is get out there and about, isn't it? You walk the floor, so to speak, uh, and then you are you are stuck with uh, social distancing. So, uh, so a lot of the communication has been virtual communication, uh, um, whether it's global communication, whether it's Teams meetings, um, and from a partner point of view, they will be talking to their clients either virtually um, or or on the phone. Uh, and again, sort of over communication uh, is quite key. Um, holding the sort of hands of clients, if you like, uh, and providing uh, you know, that peace of mind that they needed in uncertain times. But you know, what, 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 what have we had to do? Um, we've obviously needed to use video uh, and telephone a lot more. Um, we've done lots of communication, particularly around well-being, uh, and then we got into some real sort of tactical stuff, um, uh, and that includes bringing forward um, some technological changes. 
Um, so a lot more digital forms. Uh, we introduced the Quill Messenger, um, DocuSign, uh, and ID and V um, to, to obviously make advising clients and communicating with clients easier uh, electronically. Uh, and then we did lots of other sort of support for partners um, around working from home, uh, helping your, your clients with Zoom meetings. Uh, and, and again, we did that either via written or there's webinars uh, that, that they could they could do as well. So those are the main sort of tactical uh, things we were doing around uh, partners uh, and clients. And the fact we're investing in technology around this suggests you think that this is going to be a, a sort of a permanent shift in many respects, uh, this move towards um, greater remote working, reliance on things like digital documents. Yeah, I, I, I think, it, you know, we've been on a journey. We've spent quite a lot of uh, money over the years on, on the Blue Door project, which um, I, I know um, has, has been covered uh, in, in your magazine. Um, and uh, it is undoubtedly the, the, the way that you know, people are going to move forward uh, with more digital, uh, more virtual. Um, but again, different clients uh, are after different things, Damien. So, uh, you know, we know that some clients are finding it very difficult um, particularly elderly clients and vulnerable clients, uh, others who, who maybe never thought that they would be having a virtual meeting sat at their dining room table, finding that actually this is quite convenient uh, and I'd like to carry on some of these review meetings that I have with you virtually. Um, but I don't think it, it does away entirely with, uh, with, with the, the physical face-to-face -face, uh, advice at all. Sure. And what impact is this going to have on SJP's growth ambitions? Uh, are advisors going to be more wary of selling up or moving to another company? Or maybe they'll seek safety in numbers? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the first thing is, is growing, the, uh, growing the advisor base, the number of partners. Uh, and, and we do that, um, I think, as you're aware, through two principal ways, really. One is encouraging uh, existing experienced advisors to join us. Uh, uh, and the other is through the uh, St. James's Place Academy. Now, now clearly, the academy um, is, is quite a difficult thing to do in terms of social um, distancing. Uh, that Those people that are in the academy program, they're, they're continuing to, to go through the program virtually, uh, but um, we've actually suspended any new intakes into the academy uh, until the sort of final course of this year and we'll, we'll need to, to reassess it at that point. So, so clearly, the, the, um, the, the, let's call it slowing down advisor growth will have uh, an impact on the number of advisors uh, and then potentially on business. But equally, the other leg is to help people uh, get better and um, grow their own businesses. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed uh, any impact in the number of existing advisors who are interested in moving no, we, we, we're not making um, many phone calls at this point in time, and let's call them outbound phone calls because that doesn't seem seem appropriate when uh, you know we're under you know, the whole country is in, in a bit bit of a crisis. Um, but but sort of feel confident if we do the right thing, um, then then that that will ultimately play well in attracting advisors to come and join us. Mm -hmm. So, are you expecting that this will be just a, a blip, and that after this is out of the way? whenever that is, then you'll basically be able to get back on the road and continue as you were. Correct, Correct. yes, yes. Okay. 
And there's been some speculation that um, the changes brought by lockdown will put more pressure on fees. Um, some people I've spoken to have said that um, if advice is going to become more efficient by through uses of video conferencing technology, for example, then um, that will mean they're more efficient and that might mean um, there'll be more pressure on fees. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, well, well, look, to charges is, is a perennial debate, isn't it, really? And I, I think it's probably important here just to remember a, a, a few important facts that the, the market is large and growing. Okay, that the need um, for advice, the help around the complexity uh, continues to uh, increase as well. And, and I would argue that COVID-19 has probably accelerated uh, that. Uh, similarly, there, there is a very large intergenerational transfer of wealth uh, expected in the next decade and the next two to three decades beyond that. Uh, and then at the end of the day, there are simply not enough um, high quality financial advisors uh, in the UK. Uh, it's an interesting statistic that, that we always uh, use is that there are twice as many advisors per capita in both the US and Australia uh, than there are in the UK. So, so I, I think being a financial advisor uh, is, is an ex exciting place to be. Uh, and um, if, if the advisor is making themselves indispensable to their client, not, not just from a um, financial um, sort of uh, point of view, but also a life coach um, and providing those clients with their peace of mind in these uncertain times, then I'm not sure we will see fee pressure. Mm -hmm. So it's a supply and demand issue, I guess, from your perspective. I think there is a supply and demand issue, yes. Okay. Um, so you don't predict that SJP will feel sort of any pressure in the, in the next, in, 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 as we sort of move out of this, as business models change slightly to adapt to, to this um, new way of working, to use a cliche that people have been using a lot. I, I, I'm not going to stand here and say we're never going to see fee pressure because that would be very naive of me. Um, but we're not seeing that fee pressure uh, increasing. Uh, if the investment markets uh, went to you know, a, a low return position for a large number of years, then that will uh, you know, increase any pressure that is there on fees. So, um, but but no, nothing at the moment. Mm -hmm. And are there any other particular permanent changes that you feel the advice profession is going to face as a result of uh, lockdown coronavirus? Yeah, I, I, I think again, perhaps let's talk about business as a whole, and then and then translate that into uh, in, into the advice space. Um, and I think um, what we've seen is, is everyone uh, has embraced technology, uh, e even those that were um, you know not overly. Um, you know, um, good with technology, um, suddenly find themselves, uh, you know, videoing and talking, uh, you know, like we are now. So, so everyone's embraced technology. Um, I, I don't see us going back on on that. So, there, therefore, I think there will be more remote working going forward. Um, I think that's probably across the economy. Uh, I think there's a difference between remote working and flexible working, um, and and therefore, I think there will also be be less travel uh, going on uh, across the uh, across the economy, uh, and of course, if you have more um, sort of remote working people working from home, then everyone will start looking at their their portfolio 
footprint and uh, property footprint, sorry, and, and asking themselves, do we need distant amount of space? Uh, and we've also seen um, uh, you know, reduction in, uh, in paper, which I think is a, a great thing for the environment. Uh, and we've also been able to speed up uh, a, a number of IT developments partly as a result of some you know, long hours and hard work by the IT teams, but actually we want to go back and, and say, actually, how, how did we do that so quickly? You know, what was stopping us doing that, that uh, sort of speed previously? Okay. And in terms of the increased remote working, do you feel that um, that's something that SJP will move in, in the direction of? Do you think that you know, you'll have fewer actual offices with you know, the name St. James's Place on the front door? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to to, uh, to answer that. I don't think we have fewer offices. We might find those offices have less floor, uh, floor I can't say the word floor space, um, most, most definitely. And look, when, when we do um, surveys, and I'm talking about our employees now rather than, rather than the advisors, uh, then, then, you know, we're, we're seeing at the moment 20-odd percent want to get back to work as quickly as possible. Uh, 10% um, are, are you know, saying that they'd prefer to to work from home permanently and, and the rest of us are in the middle somewhere. Maybe it's a bit fearful about coming back to work at the moment using public transport, perhaps, if you're in London. Mm. I guess from your bottom line perspective, it's good not to have people travelling around so much and not to have to have so much office space. Uh, I, I think ultimately that, that could, could feed into, into the bottom line, uh, yes. Um, Look, but we, we are a relationship-based business, so um, you know you, you couldn't continue doing it this remotely without sort of meeting people uh, properly, if that's the right expression, uh, from time to time. So it's not going to end in its entirety. Um, it will just be, um, I, th- I think people will question whether or not they need to get on the train to go up to London or wherever it is for those two meetings, or can those two meetings be done? Uh, via Zoom or via Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, uh, s- several people I've spoken to have said that there's going to be an, an increased demand for ethical investing, for ESG investing, in light of of, of this crisis. Uh, is that something that you're predicting as well? Uh, have you noticed this? The increase yeah, we, we we see ESG investing as, as vitally important um, as as we we go forward. Uh, we're already signed up to the uh, UN principles of responsible investing uh, and we are um, asking all the third-party fund managers we use to also sign up for it and, and we're, we're sort of 98% of our managers now might even be 100 um, I know our aim is to get to 100 uh, as quickly as we can. Uh, we're seeing more and more questions from clients uh, without a doubt uh, and also the other uh, point here is that your, um, let's call it a middle-aged client like myself, uh, finding myself influenced by my children. So um, yeah, it, it's happening probably quicker than, than it might otherwise have happened. I guess that's um, part of that intergenerational um, change as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think it will just uh, continue to increase. Uh, and we would have seen um, some examples uh, through COVID-19 where, where corporates probably haven't done the right thing. And I think that obviously come into play as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for your time, Andrew. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And tune in again next week for the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.